what are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, I want to discuss the velocity concerns with the D-backs starting rotation. Take a look at the D-backs chances of turning into the 2014 Royals who lost in the World Series. And then do a little game of who's not of who's hot and who's not. D-backs edition. I'm not sure if I have time to hit all these topics, but we're going to try on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist, and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and please hit follow on Twitter, my personal account, because I'm at 999 followers. I've been trying to hit 1,000 for so long, so please hit follow on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24. It's also right there for the YouTube audience. Also, please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. We cross 400 subscribers trying to get to 500, so please hit subscribe on there as well. And thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day because I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So let's get into the podcast, and I think I want to start here talking about the velocity concerns with this D-backs rotation, specifically the velocity concerns with the road, uh, with the fastball, because for some reason, these D-backs starting pitchers are not throwing as hard as they once were, and I'm just perplexed as to why. I don't have an exact reason, but I just want to talk it out with you guys right now, because let's go through some of these pitchers in the rotation and discuss their velocity being down on their fastball because Zach Allen last year averaged 94.1 miles per hour in his fastball. And we know Zach Allen was a beast last year. We all know about the record, the, the, the many categories he led the National League in, like whip and hits per nine. And Zach Allen was just phenomenal last year, right? He honestly, in my opinion, I say it all the time, I thought he was the second best pitcher in the National League last season, but he was locked into the top five because that's just how good he was and that's why i got fourth in the nl Cy young voting but so far this season nine earned runs and two starts and you're like what is happening with zach gallon allowing home runs left and right extra base hits he doesn't get shelled like this normally and maybe it's because that fastball velocity is down a little bit 94.1 miles per hour like i said last season 93.1 miles per hour this season so Something to be concerned and watch for as the season progresses. And with each start, hopefully it gets better. Same with Ryan Nelson. This is someone came on strong at the end of last season, made three starts, one, uh, two against the Padres, one against the Dodgers. So he faced the stiffest competition. Ryan Nelson was phenomenal in those starts last season. But in those starts, he was also throwing like 70% fastballs, throwing a lot of gas. And his fastball velo averaged about 95 miles per hour last season. This year, it's down to about 94.2 miles per hour, and 
The fastball doesn't seem to be moving as much. It stays over the middle of the zone sometimes too long. And he's also been allowing some home runs, which you don't like to see. So Brian Nelson, another guy to monitor with that fastball velocity concern, because this is someone, again, if you go look at his MLB.com scouting report, Back in 2019, they thought this was a guy that was hitting triple digits, upper 90s consistently. And since coming to the D-backs, he's been a guy that's at more 95 to 97, um, at least last season. Then this year's more 93 to 94, 95, which is, I think, a, a precipitous drop off and something that needs to get back to the level where it was. You know, you know, if you could get back to his early minor league career where he was consistently upper 90s, that would be a great trajectory and arc for Ryan Nelson. Could really add to his overall ceiling of a uh, of his archetype of a pitcher and really could look at him as a long-term foundational piece if he could get back to more of a 96-mile-an-hour fastball consistently. Third, I want to talk about is Merrill Kelly, who um, his first start this season, I mean, he didn't even make it through four innings. He was allowing some base runners, but he also didn't allow any earned runs. Like, I would have been okay with allowing Merrill Kelly to finish that fourth inning in his most recent start. But he's going to get a rematch today against the L.A. Dodgers, against Dustin Mesa. Hopefully, Merrill Kelly can make it through at least four innings. But maybe one reason he wasn't able to make it through four innings is because he's also another one where you look at his fastball and you're like, why is his fastball velocity down? Because last season, Merrill Kelly was a stud. He didn't get any Cy Young votes, but I thought he was a guy that was worthy of consideration for top 10 in Cy Young voting. And of course, I'm biased, guys. I'm a homer. I do the D-backs podcast. It's 162 games, so I'm watching D-backs baseball every game, uh, every day. Like Unlike other sports, it's hard to watch other teams when you're so locked in and invested in your team. Like, I go to work. I'm not watching many games at work. Maybe I throw on one game at work from one of the day games because we got TV at work. So maybe I could watch some random day game that I come home and guess what? I'm watching D backs baseball for two and a half, three hours. It's not really much time to flip channels and put on something else because with the pitch clock action happens quickly. Innings happen quickly. Commercial breaks are like that in baseball nowadays. So it's like, that's the, like the one thing that I don't love about the sport. It's hard to honestly like keep up with other teams outside of like putting on, some MLB network TV show that runs through highlights or just looking up box scores every day. It's hard to just flip through channels and watch multiple games in one night. So that's probably one of my biggest issues with baseball. But Merrill Kelly, last season, a stud, fastball velocity, averaged 92.6 miles per hour. This season, only down to 91.7 miles per hour. So Miles about tick off his velocity. Then the guy that's seen the biggest decrease in fastball velocity concerns is Madison Bumgarner, who last season averaged 91.2 miles per hour, which was very good because I think the previous year it was around 89, 90 miles per hour. Like he gained a tick on his fastball velocity last season, his first year with Brent Strom. But you would have thought Brent Strom left or Brent Strom brainwashed him in the offseason and made him forget everything he learned the previous year because his fastball velo is down to 89.1 miles per hour now. And those four guys, like Zach Davies is the only one whose velocity is not just maintained the same and sustained from last season. His velocity has actually increased on most of his pitches when you look at his sinker ball, his fastball. Davies' velocity is actually up, but the rest of the rotation, down. And that's why I'm like, I'm pro Zach Davies. Like, I was okay with the D-backs resign him. Like, anyone who's anti-Zach Davies, I think you should have been, <laughs> I think you should have directed that anger of the Zach Davies signing just at Massive Bumgarner for the fact that he's still in the rotation. Because if you had a gallon, Kelly, Davies, Jameson, 
Ryan Nelson rotation, like that would have been just fine. I think Davies would have been able to hold it down just like he did last season. But why do we think these pitchers all of a sudden have their fastball velocity down this year? I think one reasonable variable they could bring up is the pitch clock because listen when you have 15 to 20 seconds to make that decision in your head of what kind of pitch you want to throw to next where do you want to locate the pitch what type of pitch do you want to throw who are you throwing the pitch to like there's so many different variables that pitcher has to think about i think a lot more than a batter because the batter it's like am i going to wait on a fastball am i going to wait on a curveball for a pitcher it's like what part of the strike zone do i want to hit where do I want to dot it up? What type of pitch do I want to throw? Who am I actually pitching to? Can he hit the inside pitch? Like, I think there's a lot more on the scouting report of what you have to remember with a pitcher. I do think the pitch clock could maybe add a few more ticks. Like, I love the pitch clock. I think it was a great new rule that we have. But could it add a few more ticks on it? Maybe. I don't think I would be opposed to that. I'm not saying let's add another 30 seconds to the pitch clock. But they want to add three to five more seconds, I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be upset with that. So I wonder if one variable is the pitch clock when it comes to these guys. For a guy like Zach Gallen, some people are saying maybe this is more realistic to the Zach Gallen. Um, maybe this version of Zach Gallen is more realistic to what he actually is because in 2021, if you remember, Zach Gallen was not very good uh, that season. Then in 2022, Zach Gallen last year was just absolutely phenomenal. So is Zach Gallen more of the guy that we saw in 2022 or of the guy we saw in 2021. I think he's definitely the guy closer to 2022 because it was also phenomenal in 2020. It was also phenomenal in 2019. Like basically, Zach Allen has had one down season with the D-backs. Every other season, he's looked like an ace in baseball. So I do think this is just an early season hiccup for Zach Allen. I do think he'll get back on track eventually. Maslin Bumgarner, I think you could just attribute it to pitch clock and him just being old. Like I think Madison Bumgarner, unfortunately, just washed. I think he's been washed since he signed with the D-back, so I don't think his velocity, I think his concerns are valid because I don't think they're going to get any better. Merrill Kelly, maybe it's just him getting older. I mean, Merrill Kelly is in his early 30s, entering his mid-30s. Maybe it's just his arm actually slowing down, but I also feel like it's just some early season adjustments. Like Some of these guys are still building up arm strength and still trying to ramp it up like they don't Toyo Velo is not going to let these guys throw eight innings I think the first couple weeks of the season so I think guy like Merrill Kelly could continue to ramp it up and throw harder as the season progresses same with the Ryan Nelson I think for him he just he's just done so much mechanically working on those mechanics doing so much sometimes it's information overload and maybe he's just thinking too much on the mound maybe he has had too many tweaks to his form and stuff like that maybe that has led to the lack of velocity for him but Outside of Massive Bugwarner, I don't think I'm overly concerned with any of these rotation starters. I'm not too concerned with Gallon. I'm not too concerned with Ryan Nelson. I'm not too concerned with Merrill Kelly. Madison Baumgartner is someone I wrote off before the season even started. So I want to give these guys a little bit more time before I make any strong declarations that this rotation needs improvement or this is just going to be a bad year for the rotation. But I do have to say, so far through the first couple starts of the season, it's not looking too pretty. Now... We have a new sponsor on the podcast to talk about today, and it is called eBay Motors because for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part 
you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motor on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we also have another new sponsor that I want to talk to you guys about. But, um, yeah, I'm not going to talk to you guys about the new sponsor yet. First, I'm going to talk to you guys about Built Bar because the Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know, I'll be voting for Cookies and Cream Bar. And if you want the Cookies and Cream to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you will be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Lockdown listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Lockdown fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built Bar's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try Built. Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing. You won't even, you'll forget how good it is because it's so amazing. I'll like brainwash you. So what makes Built Bars and Puffs so good? Well, for starters, they are all high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. Run to Built BarMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. Probably not my best live ad reading i was kind of struggling there with words my eyes were playing tricks on me as i was reading those ad reads but let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss whether the d-backs can turn into the 2014 royals because we've discussed a lot about how the d-backs love to play small ball use that team speed just play safe on the margins probably not going to be an explosive team and going to have to play some clean baseball if they want to win some games and it's probably not a clean comparison to compare the D-backs to the Royals team because that Royals team won 72 games, then went to 86 games, then went to 89 wins and the World Series and lost in the World Series. So it was like a three-year ramp-up period for the Royals before they went to the World Series. And then the very next year, they went to the World Series and won. And it's kind of weird. When you actually look at the Kansas City Royals franchise history, they've only made the playoffs twice, I think, since 1985. Like, think about that. And the two times they made it was the year they lost the World Series in 2014 and the year they won the World Series in 2015. So not a lot of ups for Royals fans in the last 30-plus years, but the two ups that you did have, you went to the World Series twice and you won one of them. That's pretty fantastic. Hopefully, the D-backs have a few more playoff appearances with a little bit more success in a World Series run because it would be kind of crappy if the D-backs went to one World Series in like 15 years and did nothing else outside of that. But 
Let's do a little comparison of the D-backs versus Royals. And I just mostly want to look at the offense because I think there's a few things that the Royals did in 2014 that the D-backs can replicate to make them pretty good as well and make them, uh, you know, a borderline contender. And then I think there's some flaws that the Royals have that the D-backs also have that they can fight through to be successful because... The Royals, in 2014, led the American League in stolen bases. They were fourth in doubles, and they were last in strikeout percentage. So that was a team that had a lot of steals from the Jared Dysons of the world. Because let me actually pull up that roster for the 2014 Royals. Because when you look at some of the names on that team and the speed that they have, like we know about the D-back speed, and the Royals had it in abundances because they had Alcides Escobar, 31 stolen bases, Lorenzo Cain, 28, former D-back Jared Dyson, 36, and they had a couple other guys with 12 and 17 stolen bases. So if I could get a team like that where you have a whole bunch of guys getting you 20-plus and a bunch of guys getting you 15-plus, then I think that would be great for this D-backs team. When you look at the doubles for the Royals, they were fourth in doubles. I think the D-backs have a whole bunch of dudes that could just smash doubles with the Ketel Marte, the Corbin Carrolls, Josh Rojas's, the Jake McCarthy's like this team is built for doubles and not really over the fence power but more double gap power I think the D-backs have that in abundances then you look at strikeout percentage the the D-backs are probably not going to be dead last in a good way in terms of strikeout percentage because the Royals had the lowest strikeout percentage among their position players in the American League I don't think the D-backs are going to be like that in the National League but right now they're middle of the pack in the National League in strikeout percentage, and their offensive players really haven't gotten going yet. So that's why I'm like, I could see their, I could see as the offensive players for the D-backs start to break out a little bit, they strike out a little bit more. They're already middle of the pack in strikeouts. Maybe they go to like bottom three, bottom four in the National League in strikeout percentage as the offense continues to get better throughout the season. But what about? The flaws that the Royals had back then that the D-backs kind of have now that they could actually work through. Well, the Royals in 2014 were below league average in scoring runs. The Royals averaged like 4.02 runs per game. And you look at the D-backs right now, they're averaging under four runs a game. And again, their offense hasn't gotten going yet. But once their offense does get going, I don't think they'll be one of the high scoring teams in Major League Baseball. I think they will probably actually be above league average, but I don't think it'll be by much like if league average is like 15 then the d-backs have like the 14th best offense in major league baseball or like the seventh best offense in the national league sixth best sixth best <laughs> sixth best offense in the national league i had trouble saying that for a second so the d-backs i think could get more runs on the board but i still don't think they would be elite just like how the royals didn't have an elite offense 2014 royals Fourth worst in slugging percentage in 2014 in the American League. D-backs currently third worst slugging percentage in the National League. And again, that's partly because the, a lot of these offense, offensive players just haven't done anything yet, haven't broken out of their slumps yet. But even when they do, that slugging percentage is going to rise by doubles and triples as well. But again, in terms of home runs, it's not going to raise by that much. Christian Walker is going to carry us in home runs. Corey McCarroll quietly could have a monster season in home runs. But outside that... I mean, will anyone else on this roster even crack 20 outside of Walker and Corbin Carroll? Like, could a Gurriel? I don't think so. A Rojas? A Evan Longoria? Like, who else? Gabriel Moreno? Like, who else? Ketel Marte? Who else could hit 20 home runs for the D-backs? That's why I think their slugging percentage will still probably be around league average, if not below league average. And then the final thing, the final flaw that the Royals have, that the D-backs kind of have right now as well, is... 
The Royals were dead last in drawing walks in 2014. I think currently the D-backs are last in drawing walks as well. So when you look at these two teams on paper offensively, like they're pretty similar and they're pretty close in terms of what they both can do offensively. Both of those teams are fast. Both of those teams want to play more with contact and both of them want to play more with contact than power. Like they're just trying to get on base. They're not afraid to slap a single, slap a double. Both of those teams are more gap power than over the fence power. Both of those teams could play pretty good defense. I think the D backs are a lot better defensive team than the Royals are. But I see a lot of similarities between these two teams. I think the Royals had more of a linear progression. Like I don't think the D backs are probably where the 2014 Royals are just yet. That's why I don't think it's a super clean comparison. And maybe I'm a year away from making this comparison. But there's a bunch of check marks that I think the D backs can hit that the Royals hit in 2014. If the D backs do hit those check marks, then this could be that 500 or better season that I talked about with the D backs. And listen, the Royals, again, we've talked about it. How, you know, the last couple of years, 88, 89 wins could get you to the World Series, right? In 2014, Royals, 89 wins, went to the World Series. So if the D-backs hit the best version, best case version of themselves, maybe that's 85 to 89 wins. Maybe that's enough to make a wild card. And once you're in the wild card round, anything is possible. You could get to the World Series. So I'm going to keep my hopes and expectations low that the D-backs can turn into the 2014 Royals. But I do think there's some similar playing styles there between those two teams. And now I actually want to talk about a new sponsor that we have for today's podcast. It's called So Rare because it's a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, so rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance. Collecting increasingly powerful cards, accessing next-level competition and rewards. So Rare recently partnered with MLB stars Juan Soto and Julio Rodriguez to serve as brand ambassadors. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free player cards Set your lineup and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that is so rare.com slash locked on to get started playing today. All right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's play a little game of who's hot and who's not. Let's do a little quick check in on this D backs team and roster. And let's first start with the position players. Then let's first start with who's hot because I think the who's hot list for the D backs is kind of surprising because, excuse me, the two players that lead the team in batting average number one is Gerardo Perdomo, who is batting 500 on the season. He's three for six, of course, not a lot, but two walks. Four RBIs, Perdomo has been incredible for the D-backs this season. He's hot. Number two that's hot is Nick Ahmed, who is batting 333 on the season. He's got four hits and 12 at-bats. He's looked good at the plate. He's been 
super confident, like runners in scoring position. Like Perdomo and Nick Ahmed might be the two guys I trust the most with runners in scoring position, runners on the bases right now. So those two guys are definitely hot. Third is Josh Rojas, who had a breakout game in the final game of the series against the San Diego Padres. Might to see, might need to see him get a little bit more work in, has a stolen base to his credit as well. And then after that, uh, it kind of falls off a little bit. Like you could also say uh, Christian Walker is a guy who maybe not hot, but been better than a lot of the other players, just like Evan Longoria. But I think in terms of who's actually hot, Perdomo, Ahmed, and Joshua Haas would be my three candidates. But when you talk about who's not hot for the D-backs, that list is a lot longer because I don't know if I would consider Corbin Carroll hot. I mean, I think he's had like a solid start to the season, three stolen bases, a home run, but he has six strikeouts to zero walks need to get on base. Lords Guriel or 408 OPS, a 208 average. Um, he has no extra base hits. Jig McCarthy, no extra base hits, batting 188, three for 16 on the season. Keto Marte, four for 24 on the season, batting 167 with 450 OPS. Kyle Lewis, seven strikeouts, zero walks. He's two for 13 on the season. Gabriel Moreno, two for 13 on the season, three strikeouts, no walks. So, the position players haven't been particularly pretty. The offense hasn't been particularly pretty. That's why every game the D-backs play is like a one-run game, and it comes down to the bullpen in the eighth or ninth inning. In the ninth inning, I mean, so far, the D-backs have a couple saves. I think the D-backs are tied for the National League in saves, actually, because every game that they win, they have to save it to win it because all these games are close because they are not getting offensive explosions right now, but they were able to get it in the last game of the series against the San Diego Padres. Hopefully that carries over into this series against the LA Dodgers. But what about the pitchers for the D-backs? Who's hot? Well, number one, Miguel Castro, 2.1 innings pitch, a zero ERA, three strikeouts to one walk, and he just looked unhittable. That slider-fastball combination has just been filthy. Miguel Castro might have to get a look as the closer. Staying with this next guy, Andrew Chafin, 2.2 innings pitch, two strikeouts, one walk, and just another unhittable. Miguel Castro and Andrew Chafin have yet to allow a hit this season. Very strong starts from them out the bullpen. Kyle Nelson is another guy. He's allowed two hits this season, but two innings pitch, no earned runs, and four strikeouts. Really impressive stuff by Kyle Nelson. I absolutely love him. And Zach Davies, he was good in that start. Been the best rotation member so far. Five innings, one earned run. He's carrying the rotation right now, and he looks like the Cy Young Award winner for this D-backs team. But everyone else, not very good. Like, I don't think Dre Jameson has been bad. He's got three-year array. I don't think he's hot or cold. Same with, um, uh, I guess, no one else. I just don't think Dre Jameson is hot or cold, so I don't want to put him on this list. But everyone else is pretty much cold. Ryan Nelson has given up a home run and gave up three earned runs in five innings. I don't think I would actually consider Ryan Nelson cold. I'll probably put him with Dre Jameson. I think they've just been fine. Well, I think Dre Jameson has been good. Ryan Nelson, I thought, was fine in that start he had. I actually didn't think he was that bad against the San Diego Padres. I thought he ran into some unfortunate luck. Hit the bad pitch to Juan Soto, but overall, I thought he was actually fine against that San Diego Padres team in his first start of the season. So I won't say he's hot or cold. He's neutral right now. Dre Jameson, I would actually say, has an upward arrow trending but i wouldn't say he's hot right now but in terms of pitchers that are actually cold cole Seltzer, three earned runs of 4.1 innings pitch i don't know why he has 4.1 innings pitch he's been like the go-to guy out the bullpen when you talk about toy lavello and his bullpen decisions i'm always like in the past i've been like yeah i don't like any of his decisions but 
Who does he have to go to in the bullpen? Now he has a few more options in the bullpen, and Cole Salters is his go-to. That's disgusting. Zach Allen, nine earned runs and 10.2 innings pitch. Not good. Zach Allen needs to get better. Kevin Ginkle, three earned runs and 2.2 innings pitch, a home run allowed. Carlos Vargas, two earned runs and 1.2 innings pitch and a home run allowed. Madison Bumgarner, five earned runs and four innings, home run allowed. And Scott McGuff, two home runs allowed in that save opportunity against the San Diego Padres. Not good as well. D-backs are just allowing way too many home runs. They actually lead the National League, I believe, in home runs allowed. And so... We look at the extremes on both the offense and pitching staff. There's some really bad extremes on both sides of the ball. We look at the lack of walks drawn by the D-backs offense or the amount of home runs given up by the pitchers or the lack of run scoring. All of it is a concern right now. The lack of velocity at times for the starting rotation. But even with all that being said, D-backs, 500 team against the two best teams in the division, arguably the two best teams in the National League. I think I'll take that 500 record and be pretty happy and sleep pretty well at night. Now, that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. We'll record after tomorrow's Dodgers D-backs game. I might be going to the D-backs home opener, so you might catch me out there. And as always... Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks first listen every day. Make your second listen of the day the Lockdown Fantasy Baseball Podcast with Matt and Dom, who will keep you up to date all season long with baseball fantasy news, strategies, and analysis. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.